Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Ornate Stairwells. I'm Autumn. I'm joined, as always, by Nia. Hi, I'm Neef. People can find me on Twitter at Atumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at Atumnal... At Atumnal. You can find me on Tumblr at Atumnal dash coffee. Um, I don't know. I'm just on Tumblr today, and I'd like to be on Tumblr a little more the rest of this week, because it's making me less depressed than Twitter does. You can go to export odd... Dot io that'll take you to our patreon page for patreon.com slash export audio um and for a dollar a month you can support this podcast and all the others you get um um access to a bunch of the stuff early for five dollars a month you get bonus episodes of a bunch of things um and hey the patreon support really matters to us it really really helps us out i don't know that we talk about this much like you know the Patreon pays half of our rent, you know? Um, and Nora's job is very volatile with some weeks she gets 40 hours and some weeks she gets 20. Mine is less volatile, but, you know, um, is killing me. <laughs> um, and so the Patreon really means a lot. And, um, you know, uh, it would mean a lot to me if people gave to the Patreon even when... Um, we have some content light months as we deal with, you know, mental and physical health stuff. So, uh, thank you everybody who does support us. Um, and yeah. My turn. Your turn. Uh, you can find me at Fox on basically anything that I'm on Twitter, Letterboxd, Annie list, technically co-host. Don't really check it, but mm-hmm. technically co-host. Um, go listen to my other podcasts. Uh, Ghost Divers are about to start Psychopaths. Uh, so it's an anime podcast. Um, and with my co-host from Ghost Divers, Connor, uh, I also do Pondering Putan, uh, where nobody has guessed the song yet. I, 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 I tried. I really was racking my memory trying to figure out the song. Have you listened to the most recent episode? No. I, I need to make a confession. I'm really behind on all my friends' podcasts because I've been listening to four different daily basketball podcasts, but the playoffs are over, so I'm done listening to basketball podcasts because what I don't care about is the off season. <laughs> um, and go listen to Around the Long Fire podcast that I do with them, where we talk about Icelandic sagas for... At most 50% of the runtime. And then the rest of the runtime is us just talking about whatever. Which uh, historically has been a lot of Gundam. But that has been sort of... It's on the outs. Can I... But if you want to hear me talk about a lot of Gundam. Go listen to GGP. Great Gundam project. One dollar on their patron. Their Patreon. Um, I'm going to be on the finale. Yeah. Uh, also go listen to Abnormal Mapping. The one where the Chrono Cross one that I was on. Can I briefly, briefly, briefly complain about basketball podcasts? Yeah, sure. You're the one who has to be awake in like four hours. That's so true, Queen. (laughs) Um, No, so basketball media clicks are very driven. Like what people who follow basketball media go for a lot is off-season stuff. Oh, is James Harden going to get traded to this other team? Is Kyrie Irving going to, you know, end up in Los Angeles? That sort of, like, 
this like trades and um, player transactions stuff, it drives me nuts because I don't want to hear a bunch of I don't want to hear people speculate about basketball that might be played in the future, possibly. I enjoy the podcasts that are about basketball that was played. <laughs> I love hearing about basketball, not hypothetical basketball. Anyway, that's my rant. I'm done. Um, Next time, do we want to watch The Bitter Tears of Petra Von Kant? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have not seen any Fassbender, so um, we will rectify that uh, next time uh, we're here on this podcast. Yeah. Back up to, like, the 40-minute mark to hear when that'll be, because I've forgotten what our plans are. But I have it in text form, and you have it in audio form, and we'll be here when we're here. The way I edit this is I might have the podcast start with when we're doing plugs, and then do the outro music. <laughs> So they'll hear about <laughs> the schedule later. Okay. Intro with Rammstein. Plugs, Bella Lugosi, outro with another David Bowie or Nine Inch Nails or something else from Lost Highway. How does yeah. that sound? Or do you want to outro with Rammstein? You want to end on the high note? Mm. Sorry. Rammstein. Is it is it funnier to just have people hit play? It's funny to have people hit play and just get Okay. Alright. It's decided. Nanahachi is real. Nanahachi is real. Thank you.
red on white translucent black capes back on the rack Bella Lugos is dead the bats have left the bell tower the victims have been bled red velvet lines the black box Bella Lugos is dead
<laughs> instead of the yeah. instead of the uh, Nana's actual tattoo of mm-hmm. the red flower, mm-hmm. I would probably like. I've thought about various ones that I would do. One would just be like 707, or maybe the key with the 707 on it. I like that. I like that. Um, and then something involving strawberries around that too would be nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, um, I've also I've seen somewhere like people will do like a nice manga panel, mm-hmm. but I have to find like a really good one, and I don't think I would just want it like on my arm or something. Right. Well, that's also a weird thing with um with that is that like one of the things that I enjoy about getting tattoos. I'm I'm not very good at working with an artist. Yeah. I kind of just like my guy showed I told him I wanted a blue rose. He showed me some blue roses he'd already drawn or some roses he'd already drawn. Um and I told him I like that one. Can you do that with a stem? Um <clears throat> But I I like the working with an artist and so yeah. I wouldn't want to go and give somebody a manga panel and just say recreate this. Yeah. Unless that's the that's the because that's also the thing with like the just doing Nana's tattoo Mm -hmm. is that that's also one where you like want it to be very accurate to like what her tattoo is right that makes sense yeah like you want the same placement yeah and so if I'm trying to do something like specific that would be more just can you do this design that I have pre made Mm -hmm. that's the one where I and it's it would be like low on my list of things yeah. I do like the 707 with the key because you can show them like, here's the reference, but you know, whatever, like, you know, flair you want to put on it. Like they can yeah. do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely, I'm, I'm really happy that I liked the, the guy who did my tattoo. who's kind of a weird guy <laughs> as many tattoo artists are. I feel like, I feel like it's just not a profession you get into if you're normal, but yeah. the, the way he was weird was a way I could vibe with. He played the fr- when I walked in. He was listening to some heavy metal music. And I was like, "Oh God, this is gonna be the longest three hours of my life." And then the next song was against me, and I was like, "Oh, I'll tell you about this time I bumped into Laura." He told me about time about he bumped into Laura. Um, is all good. And then like it, it, there were some songs I didn't know for a while. He played like a George Jones song in there. There was a Merle Haggard song, so we were able to talk about music a little bit. You yeah. know. Anyway. I'm glad I liked this guy because now I have this is my tattoo guy in my head, you know, yeah. and I made sure to tip him well so that, you know, next time I come back, like, you know, I, I would like to have this is my guy that I go to for tattoos, you know? Yeah. And um, I think once you have that, because I was listening to the to the guys in the tattoo shop talk and there's like, you know, it's like any job. They have complaints about certain types of customers and stuff. And I feel like there's probably some things that I want to get away with that I wouldn't be able to just walking in yesterday. But, you know, the fourth time I see him and I've tipped him $50 every time, there's probably some shit he'll let me get away with. You know, there's probably some annoying like, oh, I want this specific type thing, you know. Yeah. Um, And also just like knowing him, I'll be able to hopefully like send him a message on Instagram and be like, hey, I was thinking about this or something so yeah um honestly the biggest reason there's a few other tattoos that i thought about getting one is the sinfang crown uh, Mm -hmm. which is like a design that sinfang has um and then 
one of the other ones would be somewhere doing uh, Hikaru's sword Ooh. from Ray Earth. Yeah. I think I'm morphing... My right arm is so far like my floral arm. I think I want to just morph it into like a nature-ish arm because I want to yeah. get like some birds and shit on here. Yeah. But then, yeah, left arm. I think I'm, I'm fully decided now. Left arm is just going to be a sleeve of swords. I told I told the guy yesterday about that, and he's like, "Hey, I love doing swords." He, the, he had, I told him I was like, "Yeah, I think one of these days I want to get some swords." And he's like, "Oh, you have favorite swords?" I was like, "I read a lot of fantasy novels." He's like, "Okay, cool. You play Elden Ring?" And I was like, "I didn't really play Elden Ring much, but I played a lot of Dark Souls." He's like, "Cool." So yeah. <laughs> I have a guy I can go to now when I inevitably want some stupid ass Dark Souls tattoos. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why I just haven't done a tattoo yet <clears throat> is it's so much harder now because uh she's in new york mm-hmm. but i have a friend who's a tattoo artist and does like a very um like specific style and so maybe i'll have to give this up at some point but i wanted my first tattoo to be from her and i have a i have a burn mark on my left arm mm-hmm. um from like traumatic stuff mm-hmm. uh and i really like the there's uh, Ezra Furman song, This Body Was Made, or, like, Body Was Made, I think is what yeah. it's called. Uh, but I just wanted to, like, give to her, like, I want it to, like, incorporate this, where it's, like, well, somehow, mm-hmm. like, it's not, like, tattooing over it. Yeah. You know? Um, that For that to be, like, the eye of the storm or something. Yeah, and then just have something around that. Mm-hmm. Like, that song is the theme. Right. So, <clears throat> um, but I'm currently pulling up, because... Uh, this is the thing, is getting back into the world of tattooing, I'm like, right, I have to have an Instagram account again. Yeah. And because I got an Instagram account again, now I also have a Tumblr account again. <laughs> because uh, depre- Twitter has been making my depression so much worse the last couple of weeks that I I, I installed Tumblr again today and got back on Tumblr. Oh. I like I like this person's style a lot. Yeah. It, most of my... T- like... Uh... I would say a lot of it tends to be sort of floral or like a lot of organic shapes. Um, and there's some like different styles, but often has this like almost watercolor effect. Yeah, I get a lot of American traditional stuff. I, I like I like strong line work. I knew I was going to like this this blue rose I got um, because okay. I liked. Um, oh, wow. She got hella neck tattoos. Yeah, I, I I don't think like anything above the neckline. I don't think I'm, that's ever gonna happen for me. I just don't think, not even for like, oh, I have to be employable type reasons, which is part of it, sure. But I think I'm just too much of a wuss for. Uh... Yeah, like, <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah, but, and like she she has really strong line work, but it's not with like thick outlines. I li- I like, I knew I was gonna like this one because it looked good, even if I didn't get the color done. And this would look good without the color, but the color makes it pop so much more. And it's just a, yeah. it's a style that if I knew this artist, I'd probably trust her, but it's just a hard thing for me to, uh, you know, walk into that. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's one that's black and white. Yeah. That's really good. Um, there are some people, a thing that's really popular these days is like, it, it's popular on Pinterest, especially. Like, to get, like, the black and white tattoo and then have this thing where, like, the color is, like, melting off of it almost, you know? Like a, like, printing error or... No, it's it's supposed to... I think it's supposed to look like, 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 
it's supposed to look like paint, like, dripping down a canvas, you know, where you, like, applied... Oh, like spray paint almost? Let me see if I can find these. Okay. Um, uh, we were... <laughs> Nora and I were talking tattoo ideas earlier. Yeah. I'm, I'm back on... I was looking at... Um, I like this a lot. Yeah. Um, um. I was looking at this... Uh, CafeMom.com tattoo ideas. Let me see if I can find this turtle um, that I saw earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. See what I mean? We're like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like a... So there's a strong outline of this turtle, and then there's like a, a sort of watercolory like mixing effect happening, almost. And like... there, There's almost like... I feel like some of it is meant to give a sense of motion. Yes. Where it's almost like the tattoo is like moving and like yes. leaving little blobs of ink behind sometimes. I, <clears throat> those are, those are very popular for some folks. I, part of the reason that I like the like sort of American traditional tattoos that I get. Yeah. Is that this is a style that has been popular far longer than I have been alive and yeah. will be far longer than I will be alive. <laughs> yeah. And um, that sort of thing, I just don't know. I just don't know that it's going to stay in vogue. I think yeah. it is. I think it is like, it is a tattoo that is meant for soft focus pictures on Instagram, you know? Yeah. And, um, n you know, no, I'm not throwing shade to anybody who wants that, but like, I just, it's just, it's not for me at all yeah. um and the person you were showing me is like is like adjacent to this but way better yeah you know <laughs> yeah she she just like has developed a style that she does uh-huh but i think also out of doing a lot of just like standard tattoo stuff as well. right right um um uh but yeah i'm i'm really happy with how mine came out um it is a blue rose. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Talk about David Lynch. Okay. I want to... This episode, I want to talk a little more broadly about some burnout that you and I have been experiencing. Yeah. I think particularly... Is this all still non-homophobia zone? I don't even know what this is. Whatever. We can talk about We're this talking. in non-homophobia zone. Yeah. You know? Briefly, when we actually start the podcast, we'll be like... Yeah. Yeah. Schedule's a little wonky right now. Yeah. Um... I, I have no idea what the structure of the podcast is. I was anyway. I'll just talk about the blue rose thing here. I've been experiencing a lot of burnout, um, just in my life in general. I've been going through a lot of difficult stuff. Um, 99th on that list of 99 problems. It is like the lowest problem on my list. I am experiencing a little burnout from um, talking about David Lynch movies too much. Yeah. Um, we were watching Lost Highway, and I'm like, I mean, it doesn't help that Lost Highway just didn't have that it factor to me. Yeah, we we'll talk get into more detail about it when we talk about Lost Highway. Uh huh. Uh, which I'm assuming people have heard by now. I guess. Uh, Shrug. Yeah, but uh, I I just don't think it's one of his bad. I think I think it's his worst one that I've seen so far. I might agree with that. I don't want to agree with that because there's like there's some stuff there's that some, I really enjoy about there's it. There's some but, stuff, but like the thing is, I feel like if I 
if it, it was like back in the day and I was watching through David Lynch movies as they came out, I would probably be more impressed by it. Yeah. But also like the existence of the return means that some of the stuff that I just enjoy in this is like, well, I know he's going to do it better. And the few <laughs> things that remain are like, okay, the like getting a tape and watching it is we're uh-huh. just we're just talking about the movie now. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Ornate Stairwells. I'm Autumn. I'm joined, as always, by Nia. Hi, I'm Neef. There's no 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 non-homophobia zone this week. You're just, this is the podcast. We're just loose and fancy free here. I'm just going to do the thing where I put Bella Lugosi's dead at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then we'll close out with some music from, from Lost Highway. So, so, yeah, there's like... There's some stuff. There's like some real like magic moments. There's some there's some parts of Lost Highway where I'm like he's got it, and it's really wild because doing this as we have done it, you're. I've said this. I've said this every week, um, on this podcast, um, or every time we talk about David David Lynch anyway, like everything in the Return is really about like remediating, reflecting. Um, working through his filmography. There is no idea in any of his other films that does not get sort of, like, taken in and cannibalized by The Return, you yeah. know? Watching Lost Highway felt like, oh, there's the final key that, like... Yeah, almost, like, in a way that I was surprised by. Yeah. That the style... Yes, it's the, the, tone, the like the, the aesthetic tone and vibe. Yes, of the return is here. Yes, already, and it's like, and it's like, there were there were a lot of themes that we had seen pop up. There were scenes that we had seen pop up that are going to yeah. pop up again in the return. Images and ideas. This is like the long pauses. The like, like you don't get Tim Roth and um. What's her name? Uh, uh, I just watched a movie with her in it last week. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee. The Tim Roth and Jennifer Jason Lee character, like their tone of like eating Wendy's and shooting people, that is like fully in Lost Highway. You know, when the when the prison guard is like, this is some spooky shit. Uh, What are what are the brothers? (laughs) Yeah, the Mitchum brothers. The Mitchum brothers. If you you don't get without the guy who has the car and everything. Yes. Yeah. And like in the past, I've always thought, oh, the Mitchum brothers are sort of like throwback to season two of Twin Peaks. And that's true. But like, there's a very specific tone to the humor yeah. that emerges in Lost Highway for the first time. Of in... like a guy like tailgates him and then he lets him pass and then just terrorizes him like intensely. Yes. yes. The, the, this... And just being like, I hate, I hate tailgaters. <laughs> Hang on, safe driving. Yeah. Three seconds of of, of time between cars. Do you want to fucking die? (laughs) I'll fucking show you right here. (laughs) It's really good. Uh, (laughs) So so all all this to say, just to bring it back to the tattoo thing for a moment, I think I've talked a lot of shit about David Lynch movies on this podcast since we've done this project. Um. I'm still about this because I did still get this blue rose tattoo. (laughs) Like all the complaining I do, I feel like maybe the way that I choose to do projects where I'm not floating between, um, oh, this month I'm interested in this and I'm going to do a podcast about this. And this month I'm interested in this. I'm going to do a podcast about this. 
I think that's sort of how my brain naturally works. And then what I do is I come onto podcasts and I say, for the next six months, I'm going to be interested in David Lynch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I ruined my enjoyment of David Lynch. But deep down, deep down, I'm still there because I did still get the Blue Rose tattoo and I still feel very, very happy with it. Yeah. And we'll still probably gradually watch through all of David Lynch's filmography. Yeah. But we got like three left, I think. We've got we got Straight Story, we've got Inland Empire, we're skipping Mulholland, because we've already done a podcast and a half about it. I'm not missing anything, I don't think. I think it's just those two. Yeah, what is that? Uh, and then if we want, we can rewatch The Return, but we're not going to do a podcast about it until we're done. Sorry for typing on the podcast. But, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, we are closer to done than I thought. Yeah. It's it's just the straight story in Inland Empire. And we could watch, you know, um, there's the stuff that I, gets... Now that I'm like fully out of Gundam world, mm-hmm. I don't think my brain's fully done thinking about Gundam. Uh, like I'm still going to be building Gunpla and mm. watching along with GGP and, um, you know, I'm, I'm in it to at least finish this season of Witcher Mercury, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's still not like dominating mm-hmm. what I'm doing in the same way. Uh, I might watch those like Lynch TV shows that I got the DVDs for that like sure. got canceled. I kind of want to watch some of the shorts that get um, uh, repurposed for um, Inland Empire, like the the one with the rabbits. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the names of any of these right now, yeah. but that's fine. But <coughs> yeah, in terms of movies to watch, we have two left. Yeah. So it's actually pretty doable. Did you have more Lost Highway thoughts? I sort of... So the, the other thing is that this is... Of all the David Lynch movies I've watched so far, the scariest David Lynch movie. Oh, by far. Especially in the beginning. Yeah. As it goes on, it becomes more, oh, this is, you know, the yeah. return or whatever. But the be- and some of this is just that, like, but the home return- invasion stuff is, is like, genuinely unsettling to me. Yeah. Um, I think I've talked about on this podcast before that I used to be, like, extremely afraid of it and have nightmares about it all the time when I lived in, like, a more rural mm-hmm. area or, like, suburban area. And part of living in Chicago is that there's just like constantly people walking ab- above you in your apartment mm-hmm. and there's people on the street and everything. And in like, <laughs> despite the fact that like, I, d- I have no e- idea even how like break in, you know, statistics vary between those locations. It's still just like, there are fucking people around. Mm-hmm. If somebody was coming in and like, like a normal just break in stealing things or whatever is less scary than someone like coming in to like mess with me somehow. Mm. And I feel like there's just the people around in the city that if you are screaming for help, somebody will hear. Yes. Uh, and in a weird way, it just made me less afraid of that. Yeah, but, sure. Um, but all the stuff, like some of that stuff in the early parts of the, the movie with both the home invasion, but then also like the, the weird dream logic within the house where sometimes like you're going up hallways and stuff and the yeah. like, rooms seem odd and stuff. That stuff's also like touching on in a way that Skinnamarink is more directly, but like nightmares. I also had a, as a kid about being like lost in homes mm-hmm. and stuff, just from being alone all the time in, in houses uh, myself. So all, all that stuff was genuinely scary. 
but also some of the stuff I was finding scary about, I was like, yeah, the ring rips. <laughs> like, <laughs> man. Yeah. Man, you want to talk about like, a fucking movie. Like, that's the biggest thing with this movie is I was watching it and I was enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But also it was reminding me of other things mm-hmm. in a way that like, oh, man, that thing's really good. Mm-hmm. And it like diminishes my thought of Lost Highway a little bit, even though sense. I think... Even though I think a lot of it still worked and things, but yeah. I also think that like of some of the stuff we've watched, it feels like it leans the most into like solving the riddle or solving the mystery. It's actually uh, so I read um, the the Criterion Blu-ray had a little booklet um, as they always do. This had an interview with um, Lynch about the movie. It's funny. I don't think David Lynch lets you interview him unless you're going to throw him softballs. So I did not find the um, interview as informative as I would have hoped. Um, but <clears throat> Lynch, Lynch himself, um, Lynch, I think at some point was asked about the genre of Lost Highway and talked about, well, above all, I wanted it to be a mystery. Um, and I don't, from the way he talked, I don't think there's a solution to yeah. Lost Highway, but I think Lost Highway is the, the movie that sort of like dangles a solution in front of you most tantalizingly. Yeah. The, a movie that is like, solve me, I dare you, you know? Um, and I I think, I think some of the best stuff in the movie comes out of ambiguity and um, the unsolvability but it draws you into wanting to solve it, you know? Yeah. Um, but but saying all that, I think sometimes the movie is just like, solve me, motherfucker, fuck you. <laughs> and yeah. it's not, that's not as fun. Yeah, and in a way that's just less interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Also, because I'll, also, you go, I you think go. some of the ambiguity stuff is interesting here. But I also feel like, and maybe if I revisited the, the movie a few times, it, some other things would start developing out of it. But I felt like I was also getting less from that ambiguity than I do from some of his other movies. Right. Um, where, like, this is not a Mulholland Drive. Like, Mulholland Drive is also a movie that I think can inspire this impulse to figure out the mystery and mm-hmm. what exactly is happening and I'm watching it being like, I there's like something real happening in both of these and something unreal happening in both of these. And what it what is these two different versions suggesting about like female sexuality and those kinds of... And some of that stuff might be even beyond what David Lynch is saying. But like the stuff that's like feels more immediately arresting in like Mulholland Drive is like the No Ibanda. Mm. Uh, and like mm. that scene, which is just like such an like maybe you can fit it into your puzzle, but in the moment it's just sort of enigmatic and weird things are happening in this way that doesn't feel like bread crumbs or like clues being dropped or just like you've now entered into the space of like, this is just a strange performance and we're talking about performance and everything. Mm -hmm. Whereas like what lost highway is doing. Some of the best stuff is either just like direct comedy stuff. Yeah. Or just like kind of direct horror stuff. Or when it is the mystery, it's more just like, oh, well, how, how, what does that mean? That, you know, in a yeah. way that it's like, it's not putting me in the same with Mulholland Drive. The mystery puts me into the mindset of like, 
uh, what is happening within the dream logic that's revealing something. Mm-hmm. I don't get that as much. Yeah. The the dream logic almost feels too orderly. Yeah, for sure. Like, like... This is also... This is... Mm. A thing that I think also relates to the return, and as much as I like the return, my the biggest part I grade against is that the dream logic of it is too orderly, is too mm. like there is some sort of internal rules to like how people move in and out and mm. all of that stuff in a way where I I like Josie can just turn into a doorknob more because that's just weird and evocative and doesn't feel like right uh this sort of like building of rules within a world. Yeah. Which I think in general, I I don't enjoy that as much, but I think there's still stuff that can do like, here's the, the physics of this world or how this world uh-huh. works that is more interesting to me, but I don't want it to be in this mystery space, I guess. Yeah. It almost puts it, it almost like pushes it into a like science fiction-y sort of like yeah. space almost, you know, yeah. um, which I think the most like secret history parts of Twin Peaks I think also enter a science fiction space, you know? Yeah. Um, this is also, um, you mentioning Twin Peaks and it got me sort of thinking about Twin Peaks is, you know, obviously he worked so close with, uh, Mark Frost on that. Um, and this Lost Highway is in large part, more than most of the other things we've watched, other than Twin Peaks, um, is Lynch working with a co-writer, Barry Gifford, um, on this movie. Um, you know, from what I from what I read in um, the uh, the little booklet, it seems like Gifford was very involved. You know, like Lynch and him were co-writing like every single thing, and um, you know. Even during production and post-production, Lynch is, like, running ideas by Gifford uh, a lot. Um, And I'm I'm trying... I had that thought, and I had another thought, and I don't really remember how I was going to tie them together. Um, But, like... I think... When... When Lynch works with Mark Frost or or Robert Ingalls, his co-writer um, on Fire Walk With Me and one of the lead writers on the show, Twin Peaks. When he works with those two people, he ends up in this space that um, is about, like, women's trauma and suffering and, and um, like, you know, how society and culture sort of impacts those things and how society and culture is built out of those things um, in ways that we've talked about. Lost Highway, his work with Gifford, sort of flips that into, I think, a very misogynist space. (laughs) I think this movie... um, I think this movie is, like, real fucked up about women in a way that a lot of David Lynch work is. But, um, but like seeing the, you go, a focus shift has happened from like, um, there, there, even if it's not necessarily coming from David Lynch, mm-hmm. like that, he's not intending this, that when the focus is sort of this trauma that women go through, there's at least something coming out that feels like it's talking about like why are people interested in this in media broadly, like cinema? He talks about a lot, mm-hmm. all of this kind of stuff. Um, 
And so there's a lot of stuff that rises out of that because it's sort of interested in this like uh, cultural fascination within, I think, especially cinema and like television mm-hmm. of like seeing women suffer. Mm-hmm. And Lost Highway feels like it's trying to flip that over to like men suffering. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a lot of like cinema about men suffering, especially like going to David Lynch's favorite time frames of like the forties and fifties, <laughs> it's like uh, you know, uh poor innocent men who get like taken in by femme fatales and destroyed or whatever. Right. So like the two like the two things on the scales in this movie are you got Bill Pullman um in this unhappy marriage like the first act of this movie is Bill Pullman in this unhappy marriage to Patricia Arquette's character um and he eventually murders her question mark does he he's certainly in jail for murdering her and she definitely got i don't know question mark but but Sort of the place you're, and they have the worst sex that anybody has ever had in a movie. Just, yeah, hor- horrifyingly bad sex. Like, exempting like stuff that I would no longer classify as sex because it's moving into like other terrible territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like just the, like the actual worst... people having sex, but it's just bad. Both of us agreed to be here, and we we're having a terrible time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We both are adults who consented to this sex, and we are miserable about it. We would like nothing less. Um, And then he murders his wife, and then um, we see him in jail, and he is transfigured like Christ into into, um, this other character whose actor I'm forgetting... uh, you you'll look it up. I'll just keep going. It's not Bill Pullman, the man who I see on the screen and say, "Hey, that's Bill Pullman." Right. Um. Uh. Sorry, I said I was gonna just vamp, but then I got distracted. Yeah. Um. Where the fuck? Oh, is is Henry Rollins the guy who says yeah. this is some spooky shit? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't realize I that didn't was realize that was the man, the myth, the legend. Um, uh, what is his his character's name even? I don't even know. Here, I'm not gonna do IMDb. I'm gonna do Wikipedia. I feel like Wikipedia will yeah see me through better on this. Balthazar Getty, maybe. Let's let's check it. <sighs> no photo of the man. What the fuck? <laughs> um, yeah, Pete. that's gotta be yeah. okay. So so Balthazar Getty, not so, R. Pete. No, this is the the final film role for Jack Nance. Yeah. Hats off. Hats off. Um, so, so, Bill Pullman kills his wife, um, maybe, goes to jail, in jail, transforms one day into Pete Dayton, um, teenage boy, son of... Some fucked up shit. Some fucked up shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, and, and, uh, words. He's, he's weirdly, um, what's his name? Gary Busey's son. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway... Pete's problem is that he meets this girl who is also played by P- Patricia Arquette. Get this, in a David Lynch movie, in the first half, a woman has a, a brunette wig, and in the second half, she has a blonde wig. Ah, David Lynch likes making movies about both Marlana Detrick and, <laughs> and Marilyn Monroe. Monroe. 
Um, it really is that Patricia Arquette just transforms from a Marlena Teacher character to yeah. a Marilyn Monroe character. Um, I talked I talked about that Marilyn Monroe movie last time, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so so, um, and 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 Pete Balthazar Getty's problem is that he's having way too much sex. Patricia Arquette just wants to fuck all day, all night, and he he's gets... got this girlfriend who always wants to fuck called Sheila. Yeah. And and like Pete goes through some bad times. Pete gets into a lot of trouble with the mob over all the fucking he's doing. Um he goes to he goes to the Black Lodge and has like sex with Angel Patricia Arquette and then the movie ends. Um like basically just to boil down the point I'm trying to make and we can sort of expound upon it, I guess. Um you see this one man Who's in? Who's his life is all fucked up because his terrible wife fucks him bad, and then you see this other man whose terrible life is all fucked up because his girlfriend fucks him too good, and it, and she's like a porn actress on the side, and isn't that fucked up? And it's just like, yeah. I I I think there is a certain misogyny that runs through all of David Lynch's work that often produces like friction and interesting thematics, and you know. All sorts of stuff. I think this movie sort of like lays bare some of the misogyny, like this sort of like thought about gender, like some of the other outcomes of that thought about gender that maybe is not as present in the other movies, you know? Yeah. Or that is like uh, present, but has been focused on and given enough detail that it becomes that like there is something interesting in seeing that. Uh-huh. Uh, and being able to dissect it because, like, the attention is being given to it. Yeah. Whereas, like, this movie feels very unconcerned, aside from having it just as a little another mystery breadcrumb for mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. of, like, what's going on with the two Patricia Arquette characters. Right, right. They both are kind of just the same figure, like, ruining both of these men's lives in different ways. Yeah, and I don't think it's like a... um. You know, it's not a deep dive. I think there could be a better version of this movie that is a, a deep dive into Patricia Arquette's character. But I feel like she gives this very surface, le- gets this very surface level, like, treatment to her so that we can focus more on what, you know, Bill Pullman and Balthazar Getty's characters are going through. Yeah. You know? Um, I wanted to talk about a like, aesthetic thing that I did really like about this movie. Yeah. <clears throat> um... So, we've seen David Lynch kind of, sort of, take a run at doing a jukebox musical in Wild at Heart. And, like, you know, um, The Return uses, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pop music, massive air quotes. By pop music, I mean not classical music. <laughs> yeah. Not, not compositions by Angelo Badalamenti. The Return uses, like, songs like that um, in this interesting way as, like, sort of punctuation. I like the thing that um, Wild at Heart lands on, where there are a lot of songs all through this movie that add a lot of, like, sort of aesthetic texture to it. Yeah. um, That I I find really compelling. Um, And it helps that I... Even even the artists I don't like, usually, like, I'm not a Marilyn Manson person. The Marilyn Manson song 
in this uh, movie, I think comes out really good. I don't like 90s David Bowie. The 90s David Bowie song in this movie is very good. Probably what we'll be going out on. Yeah. Either that or... Rum! Stein! I sent you... um, Yeah. I sent you in the booklet, um, Lynch tells a story about... I never heard of Rammstein, but they sent me... um, They sent me a demo tape, and I was like, this is perfect for my movie. (laughs) And... And I think it worked out pretty good for Rammstein because, of course, they just said the name of the band a couple of times. So if you watched this movie and you're like, I like that song, you had a real easy time going out and buying one of their CDs in 1997. <laughs> one of their eight tracks, perhaps. Um, <laughs> I never had a big Rammstein phase, but I had a so, lot of friends who did. What What was the name of the band? Rammstein. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> do I need to do it as as German as possible? Yeah, I'm say yeah. Rammstein. <laughs> do you think Do you think David Lynch is like uh, Ramstein? <laughs> I think I think I sometimes will try to say Riddersport as as about as badly as I can possibly say yeah. it to piss Nora off. Yeah, Riddersport. Riddersport. Yeah. <laughs> I did Riddersport. <laughs> Riddersport. Riddersport. Yeah. Um I th- I imagine that's how David Lynch says Rammstein. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Steen. I think when he says it it's Steen and not Steen. <laughs> I don't know. I've totally lost the thing. Anyway. Um it was funny because <clears throat> I had a lot of friends who did have big Rammstein phases. <laughs> And so I just instantly recognized what it was the first time it came up. And then, and so I was able to time while we were watching it, being like, what band do you think this is? Right before he goes, Rammstein. <laughs> oh, it's Rammstein. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like... Uh, I don't know. I'm like kind of down on Lost Highway. Um, I'm also yeah. kind of up on it. I kind of think that, like, even a lesser David Lynch movie is, like, better than any other movie I've watched this month, you know? It's a weird, it's a weird place to be in, you know? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I like it that much. But also, some of the the comedy bits are really good in this. You, you can I mean, tell at this point, in a way that some of the earlier David Lynch movies, it was there. But this is the one where you can be like, this is the man who made Twin Peaks season uh-huh. one and season two. Um, you know, he he has gotten like uh, in a way that it is present in earlier stuff, but like has gotten a comedic uh, timing and everything down uh-huh. where it just really works. Yeah. And um, uh, I guess like when we watched Wild at Heart, I sort of struggled with it, and I gave it, like, four stars on Letterboxd, and then as we were doing the podcast, I was like, I think this is a five-star movie. I think I'm going the other way with Lost Highway, where I gave it four stars, because there are some really, like, there are some moments where this movie's got it, and I gave it four stars because of that, and as we were talking about it, I'm like, I just kind of feel kind of alone on this movie. I think of all of the David Lynch things that I've watched, it's the one where, uh... The enjoyment in the moment is still, like, the enjoyment I have watching a David Lynch movie, uh-huh. but that I have the least enjoyment, like, thinking about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. There's not, like, a, I want to turn this over in my head and... Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of, like, 
like when I think about rewatching it, it's thinking about rewatching it for like the funny bits, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and like, we didn't talk once about the, the, the mystery man, the guy who walks up yeah. to Bill Pullman at the party and, and says some spooky has shit. His, has a little phone trick. Yeah. He does his little, and he like, he's got a big like video camera. I'm in your house right now. <laughs> The guy's pretty good. I don't. That's an element to the movie. This mystery guy and whatever weird bullshit he's got going on, where he's directing the movie, maybe that we're watching. I don't know. Um, thinking about that, I'm like, I'm not that interested in this. But when a weirdo walks up to Bill Pullman at a party and says, "I'm in your house right now," or just seeing the visual of him walking out of his house with the camera, and like, yeah, chasing. <laughs> <laughs> he just he does such a funny Pete little slash run. Bill Pullman. I forget <laughs> yeah. who it is at that point because it's around the time when it switches. Yeah, it like because it switches back to to Bill Pullman at a certain point. Yeah, and, and then, then they show the video to the yeah the gangster guy, mobster right. guy. Oh god, I forgot about that. Um, um, and then kill him. I don't remember exactly. How there's the there. sex with the angel at the end. Well, and then there's like, yeah. Anyway. It's also weird. It's just weird how much the David Lynch font is here. I'm just not prepared for how much, like, David Lynch has this one font that he likes, that it just is part of his aesthetic, unbroken from, like, 1991 to, you know, the present day. There's just that font that he likes. Yeah. It's weird. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Not complaining about that. That's how it happens. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... And then uh, Eddie whispers something. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, this was also admittedly I was falling asleep for the last twenty minutes of the movie, so I couldn't miss yeah. parts. We don't need to talk about that part. We don't need to talk um. Did you get the part where Fred goes to his house? And says Dick Warren's his dad. Yeah, like the beginning of the movie. See, that's what I kind of forgot because we watched this movie like a week and a half ago. I kind of forgot that I was falling asleep for the last twenty minutes until I read this paragraph on Wikipedia. I was like, "When did that happen?" Yeah, there's like <laughs> stuff that happens after that sex scene. That's not the end of the movie. That's when I'm, he I'm turns pretty... from Pete back to Fred. No, the movie definitely ends with the angel sex scene and then it's credits. That's definitely how that goes for <laughs> sure. I'm. <laughs> Anyway, um, so in terms of, uh, we missed a week. We missed a week. Um, I don't know if you want to talk. Yeah. At the, I forget if it was at the end of the podcast or the end of the non-homophobia zone last episode where you're like standing. I think it was at the end. Yeah. And you were standing up because your back hurt. Yes. I've been going through really, really extreme back pain. Um, I was like laid up in bed for two days. I took a week of steroids, which made me feel fucking miserable. Um, I do feel a lot better now. Um, I'm a little fucked up today because I had to lay on my stomach for a couple hours, get this tattoo done, but I'm doing good with the back pain. Um, but we just, we had to miss because I I was fucked up last week. And, and there, you, there was like moments where you're like trying to figure out like, well, maybe we could do like a 30 minute set of timer. And I was just like. You are not going into my closet and sitting in the fucking chairs I keep in my closet to record a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That, that. That's the other thing, is that, like, beyond the physical pain, 
my mental health has just been in the toilet and i yeah. you know um i feel this, like it's this, nothing particular people have heard you complain about like work and stuff it's just yeah uh, the water keeps rising yeah that's the thing is i felt like this week or, or this month was like the straw that broke the camel's back but you know there's the million other straws underneath it, and I, I, I just feel, um, I guess here, here's the. I don't want to overshare. I, fr- I, I frankly don't want to like put my whole like mental health situation out in front of the world. But I'll, I'll say this because I feel like stairwells is the podcast where I'm like good with just being the most honest about this. I'm not having any fun doing podcasts lately. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I keep trying to invent more work for myself to somehow make it better and that's not making it better you know um and it's not that i really enjoy like like i really enjoy doing coffee and comic books but like you know um it's it's here's what i'm trying to say i enjoy doing coffee and comic books I enjoy doing stairwells. I enjoy doing Gotham City Limits. I enjoy doing Franchise. I enjoy doing Bag End Book Club. I enjoy doing Ars Arcanum. I enjoy all the things I'm doing individually. It is the aggregate of I am working at a job that is, like, killing me very slowly. (laughs) And also I have this second job where I have invented a totally untenable work schedule for myself. Um... And I have, I have, through no one's fault but my own, just sapped all enjoyment that I get from podcasting. Um, all that to say, stairwells will be bi-weekly, sort yeah. of. There's... I, I have pulled up the schedule. Yes. <clears throat> so we took a little bit of time today to figure this out. Yes. Because I also have vacations coming up. You have a vacation, and then, like, the day you get back is the day that I leave for a vacation. Yeah. My first vacation is uh, going to, like, a big family reunion thing mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, for my dad's birthday, which will be fun in some ways and probably stressful in others. Um, there'll be a lot of people there. Uh, I'm fucked up about birthdays, mm-hmm. kind of just in general. Um, and also, my my dad's health has been deteriorating, and I don't really know what that's going to be like right now, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm not seeing him every day. Yeah. So. Um, and also I think, cause some of it is like, uh, some sort of like maybe beginning of Alzheimer's or some other thing like that, mm-hmm. where it also gets intensified when he's not like at home, which he's not going to be. Right. Right. So that was, that was the thing was that like <clears throat> when my grandma started to go, when she had her routine, she was doing fine. But then she got to a point where she couldn't be on her own anymore. and But then once you put her in a nursing home, it's like she didn't have that routine to fall back on. Yeah. 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 So, and also it's a thing of like... Not nursing home. He might be. Yeah, I don't know about no. that. But. Um, but I mean, it's also the thing where like I'm planning with one of my brothers about like, let's make an itinerary and especially focus on like, here's who's making food. Mm-hmm. Who, here's who's handling feeding everybody right now. Because mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of people and my dad is going to think that is either one going to forget like he sometimes does in a way where like <clears throat> I went home over Christmas 
And my dad was like, we're going to do popcorn for dinner. And I'm like, I have a three-year-old who should not be eating popcorn because it's a choking hazard. Yeah. And also, that's not a that's not like a... In a way where I'm thinking about when I was a kid and I was having popcorn for dinner when I was like <laughs> three or four. <clears throat> and I'm like, that's not like a, a meal with like nutrients for a growing kid, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so some of it is just that. And then also, like, we just don't want him... Like, we don't want him thinking he has to make food. Mm. We want an itinerary where he looks at and he knows that he doesn't have to cook. Mm. One, so he's not stressed. And then, like, two, just because it's going to be difficult for him. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm a little bit stressed about that. And then there's another one we were going to go. I couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's at the beginning of July. And then at the end of July, uh, there's going to be, we were going to go camping mm. um, with some, like, friends. Uh, but the camping stuff didn't work out. So we're just going to go like see their new house. Cause they used to live in Chicago and moved to like middle of nowhere, Minnesota to be able to buy a house. So we're going to go see them, but I hate camping. I think that was a huge win for you. The thing is when you have a kid camping is different. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I went camping a lot as a kid. Um, and I, I got two Me very, Whatever. We don't have to talk about this. I don't want I'm gonna, to. I'm going to hate I'm gonna hate sleeping uh, in a tent on the ground. And the, and the kid is going to think it's so cool. Yeah. Um, next summer, we'll probably go camping. Hmm. But um, So anyway, we figured out schedule. So we're recording right now. This podcast will go out on the 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to do our normal off week, kind of, mm-hmm. next week, which is actually going to work out. Uh, the recording schedule for because of these this vacation is also all messed up for Ghost Divers. So we're probably going to have some where I'm having to record two nights in a row or whatever. Anyway, um, we will then like recording on the 30th, I think. So yeah. like right before I leave for my trip, mm-hmm. we will try to record a podcast. Depending on how preparations for me going on that tri- trip goes, it might be a short one like this, maybe even shorter. Mm-hmm. We've honestly talked longer than I thought we might on this one. Yeah. But we didn't set a timer. We should have set a timer. Yeah. It's whatever. I'm having a good time. Um, but then I will be out of town. You'll be out of town. Mm-hmm. All that. Uh, we will get back. And, uh, I think the next time we record is going to be the, the 21st. Yes. So that'll be going out on like the 25th of July. Mm-hmm. So basically a lot of July, there's not going to be like, I think there'll be one on the, the 4th of July and then the, mm-hmm. the, um, 25th. Okay. So, and then we'll be back on every other, <clears throat> yeah. you know, every other week we'll from then on, hopefully. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully, um, I can spend July trying to get, um, in a better headspace, maybe job searching. I don't know. Um, yeah. Job searching makes me feel as about as miserable as having this job does. But yeah, that's that's uh, that's like that's capitalism's trick. If you is that trying to find a job is its own shitty job. If you have um, advice for how to find a job, please get export chat in the abnormal mapping discord. Get as basic as you feel like you want to get, because right now I'm at like. I don't know. I log into Indeed. I hit apply on a bunch of random shit and I feel depressed and then I log out. You know, that's kind of what I'm doing. 
that has not really produced results for me that I'm happy with. Um, and yeah, if you if you have advice, let me know. <laughs> I mean, the the worst of it is cover letters. That's mm-hmm. the that's the shitty part. Mm-hmm. Is cover letters. Yeah. But also. Emily's the the main person to talk about because she did the most. Uh, she had a job where she was not hiring people, but she did have to do the like reading everything and then handing uh-huh. it off, being like to the, the, to the hiring that, manager. Yeah. Um, this is when she worked at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and it's like usually they look at resume first and then they'll look at cover letter after. Um, to narrow down further. It still helps. But we can help you. Again, Emily's a good resource. Yeah. Anyway. But also, listeners, chime in. Yeah. Anyway, You're specifically that's... hoping for an office job. Yeah. Or, I mean, office job, but I think also specifically not getting texts at, like, 8 p.m. the day, like, at night, uh-huh. saying, hey, can you come at 5 or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I, I, I would like to... Um... Five five a.m. That is, by the way. There's there is no there is no other job in the food service industry that I'd rather have. You know, yeah. Like, I could probably get paid more at a different food service company. I do not want to work in food service for the next thirty years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And. I'm I'm thoroughly convinced that I'm never going to get this promotion that I deserve because I'm involved with the union. So uh, that just is what it is. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, I'm just sorry, everybody. I feel like we were. Yeah. I feel like the Lost Highway segment was a really good segment, and I'm you can no, really no, feel. Now we're coming down. So the other thing I'm going to say before uh-huh. we go. So I watched a few other movies. Yeah. Not going to talk about them too much on this podcast because if you want to hear me talk about Chappie. Go listen to the first episode of St. Olaf's Saga on Around the Longfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the first one of the chapters. Um, M is also pretty down. It was a short episode, but we do talk about Chappie a little bit. Uh-huh. So, um, That's Chappie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And then I also watched G-Savior. And I'm assuming that will probably come up on GGP, which when we're recording this... Uh, should right be up now. the next GGP should be up a day after this podcast comes out in the Patreon feed, I believe. Yeah, I think and, like that's I how... I will be recording it in like a day and a half from mm. where we are right now. Uh, but yeah, it'll it'll be like coming out pretty soon after you listen to this. If you're listening in the Patreon feed, if you're listening in the free feed, it's already out. I'm on the finale for Sea Destiny. Mm-hmm. Um. But I figure we'll probably talk about G Savior to some extent, because we're gonna want to talk about shit that isn't Seed Destiny, uh-huh. the worst show any of us has ever watched, uh-huh. at least like all the way through. <clears throat> so uh, that's where I would say to go to to get my movie thoughts on other things. You know what else? I go, I will say in terms of stairs, I will put this in the spreadsheet later. Um, Chappie. I don't remember any notable stairs. There was like some that were like, you know, in a facility, like grates and like metal poles, that kind of style. But it's not like somebody, it's not like Jackie Chan is like hanging from the bottom of the stairs. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like a C 
Right. I forgot to log uh, Dungeons and Dragons 2000 on my letterbox. Let me go do that real quick. All right. Um, G Savior, I would say had similar stairs from the stairs that I remember. Mm-hmm. There's this recurring, like, same shot inside, like, a mech hanger with, like, people going up and down the stairs, and then you get, like, other shots of them. Um, and so it's functionally the same as Chappie. But it's 90s era made for TV sci-fi, and so I'm going to give it a C plus. Just because for some reason, like, there's a certain charm about, like, returning to that exact same set. Right. With that same framing and stuff sometimes, you know? Sorry, I got distracted by boobs on Twitter. It gets knocked up, like, from C to C plus, just because of the charm of 90s made for TV sci-fi. I don't even know why I opened Twitter. You were going to Letterboxd. And then I opened Twitter for some reason. I don't even know why that happened. I have a problem. I need anyway. A- <laughs> um, the other thing that I recently watched that has stairs, um, I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler for GGP, uh, but I watched all of Yurikuma Arashi. I was going to talk about that on there as well. Oh, that is a TV show, but I'm still going to rate the stairs because you know who loves some fucking ornate stairs with meaningful scenes of people going up or down them? Ikuni. Ikuni fucking loves ornate stairs (laughs) with meaningful scenes of people going up or down them. S. There are multiple significant stairs that you either walk up or fall down. Repeatedly. Because of the structure of Ikuni stuff. Mm Because he fucking loves repetition and all that. You've been sending me stuff from that show, and it looks really good. My big thing, and I'm going to say this on GGP as well, is if someone has not watched Utena, watch Utena. (laughs) Dude, watch Utena. Yeah. And then when you're done, if you're like, well, I I can nibble out a little bit more. What if this was like a little bit more raunchy uh, and a little bit like more goofy? Mm -hmm. Um, Then watch Irikuma Arashi. But, like, I also think that people will get more out of that if they have seen Utena. Because it's very specifically, like, there are things that I think it's directly referencing from Utena. And I think some of what Yurikuma, I'm getting ahead of myself on GGP. But some of what it's doing is it is trying to update, like, Utena is such a thing about the repetition of anime and, like, these stories and... Mm. What what meaning can you find in this? What meaning can you find in the repetition of the story? Um, how do you like break out of some of these cycles? And then what's the value in like other cycles? All that stuff. All that stuff's like deeply, like Utena is deeply about, and you're like going through it when you watch it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Yurikuma Arashi, and you get essentially another cycle of Utena, but that has been like updated for things have changed, and so that means. I'm no longer playing with like this shoujo aesthetic that existed in the past uh, that I'm like referencing and pulling from. Mm-hmm. Now I'm doing it with like Moe mm-hmm. and like shows that are all about just a bunch of girls who are in high school or whatever. And because they figured out that you can basically do a harem anime, but you don't even have to have a boy in it anymore. There's, like, light shipping between them, but it's all just, like, kind of cute moe stuff, but then also sometimes it gets weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, like, very intentionally trying to play with that and and talk about that and, like, accentuate aspects of it. Um, and then it is also trying to 
I think, talk about Utena's talking about a specific era where uh, queerness was very unspoken mm-hmm. and is now talking about an era where I think especially for Japanese audiences at the, at the time, it is more known mm-hmm. and is being uh, actively like in a in a pointed way excluded or yeah. Yeah. talked about as being a bad thing. And so it is trying to deal more explicitly with like exclusion around someone being queer. Mm-hmm. But then this is around somebody being a bear or uh, fraternizing with bears or whatever. So, um, and then bears sort of dealing with like predatory lesbian tropes and trying to complicate it. So those are your thoughts on uh, Gundam, the witch from Mercury. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Yuri Kumarashi is a better uh, show about doing things from Utena again than Witch from Mercury shirts. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, S. S for stairs. S for the stairs. Oh, can I can I just briefly talk about one thing I've been enjoying? It's not a movie at all. Yeah. Uh, well, what's the stairs for uh, Dungeons and Dragons? F- is that the F- one where at the end there's the like light that shines down in the forest? They like shoot it during golden hour. There's so Marlon Wayans character gets stabbed and um Justin makes a little grave of him grave for him and then they um do I think this is the one. I, I think I think there's a grave in a forest, and um, they all get sucked up into the jewel because they're going to go on a magic adventure to revive Marlon Wayans' character. Yeah. Um, and they're like extremely shooting it during the golden hour, and then trying to like I th- I think that's how uh pump it up even more. Yeah. Like really make it glowy in the way that like that late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, this sounds right. Yeah. I don't know that this is the ending of the movie you're talking about, but this is definitely a thing in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. This is an extreme, like... I enjoyed this movie as a kid. It was not good, but I enjoyed it. There was, for the first 20 minutes of this movie, I was like, I don't think this is a good movie, but I do feel like a certain, like, ah, the good old days when I watch it because I just like movies from around the time when I was five, you know? <laughs> yeah, G Savior. G Savior fuck I mean, it's less when I was five, but you know sa- talking about similar. But but unfortunately this movie Around when I was twelve. <laughs> <laughs> um But like, yeah, the movie didn't wasn't able to, you know, maintain my interest. Um Uh no, thing I think I am enjoying that I just want to talk about very briefly, um uh, I've been I've been reading some fantasy novels. Can I tell you? Really? Yeah, I know. Big change for me. Yeah. You want to hear about fantasy novels I've been reading? Sure. Well, I finished the Two Towers, and so now I'm reading the Return of the King. Um, I've not heard of those before. They're, they're the second and third parts in this trilogy called The Lord of the Rings. Oh. And if you want to hear rips. more about that, yeah, <laughs> I did a podcast about all things Lord of the Rings from. The books, do the Bakshi movie to the 2000s movies, um, on exportodd.io slash bagend. Um, and now 
that I'm done with that question mark. I might show up for those Hobbit movies. I don't know. I might. We'll see. Um, now that that's done, I'm just reading Lord of the Rings for a second time. I'm fucking living, dude. Yeah. These are the best books in the world. Return of the King is the best book that's ever been fucking written. <laughs> Um, That's all I had to say about that. Can I suggest something to you? Yeah. As uh, somebody who's feeling sort of burnt out on podcasting in general. Uh-huh. Um, if your wife is sitting down to watch the Hobbit movies, enjoy a movie with your wife. And then don't podcast about and it? And then don't podcast about it. But the problem is, will I enjoy... I know that I enjoy time with my wife. Will I enjoy time with my wife and Martin Freeman? Now, here's the thing. Uh-huh. You don't... You're going into it knowing, I don't have to podcast about this. So I can movie, sit there. Movie starts being bad. Just let your eyes close. Just get a little bit cuddly. I'll just I'll just open up the Geralt box. Yeah. I've got, I've got the Geralt box. Yeah, you can open up the Geralt box. You can... Yeah. Yeah. Depending on what your energy level, a Geralt box or a little nap. You just have a little nap, <laughs> a little snooze. <laughs> Good night, Martin Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Good night, White Dwarf or White Orc. <laughs> yeah. Well, this podcast has gone about twice as long as we wanted it to, so it really is an episode of stairwells. Um. My alarm to go to work goes off in six hours, so I should, should yeah, I should get you home. You should get me home. Um, <laughs> I was trying to find a meme that I saved like uh many many years ago, uh because Emily finds Benedict Cumberbatch to be attractive, and I don't understand. I it. don't understand that. I don't understand it. Um, and I saw a meme that was like a milk carton that had like gotten all dented. <laughs> Um, and I forget exactly what it was labeled, but it, it was it was something about Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, and so I've just had it on my phone for a long time. Oh, instead I found a meme that I made where, um, so... Why is Kermit sipping collagen beef broth? So uh, a while ago, this would have been in is it 2014. Called, is it called College Inn because stock has collagen? Maybe. That can't anyway, be it. um, we went over to a friend's house. Uh, actually, swim fans, uh, podcast, uh, Alex and Josh were living together, and we went over, and uh, Emily and I made like crockpot beef and like other stuff. Emily was handling the beef; I was doing other stuff, specifically to like, uh, you know, how about make a meal for them. You know, mm-hmm. we are just these people where we all sometimes try and help people out and like make food for them and stuff. Real quick. I just realized in this meme you have here of Kermit the Frog sipping beef broth. He's sipping from the carton. So that's not even hot beef broth. Yeah. So that is room temperature. Um, beef broth. So Josh of some fans uh-huh. would like a little bit of I think it was soy milk in his coffee. Sure. And the soy milk came in sort of, you know, 
No. You know, that like. Tetra pack? kind of, yeah. Yeah. Tetra pack, like sort of tall. Uh-huh. Uh, car- like, there's like lining and stuff, but it sort of has that vibe of like a little cardboard box thing. Mm. Um, with the little white thing on the top that you pop open. Uh, and can you guess what color the soy milk one <laughs> was? it was? perhaps blue? Yeah, it was like maybe this light blue that the beef broth that Emily left there also was. Oh, no. So the next morning, Josh goes in and grabs the beef broth to put it, thinking it's the soy milk, while like very tired, making his coffee and pours it in. And Emily and I still laugh about this because it's the best prank that she's ever accidentally played on anyone. I I have a weirdly <laughs> similar story to this, which is that when I was um, living in a dorm um, one year for April Fool's, my homie knew that every morning at this dorm, I was the guy who got up and made the coffee. and I Because I got up before anybody else did. And I liked coffee more than anybody else did. And I was better at making coffee than anybody else was. So I got up and made the coffee. And so one year for April Fool's, I go downstairs at like six in the morning, which might as well be three in the morning as far as college students are concerned. In fact, college students are more likely to be awake at three than they are at six. (laughs) Um, I find it. (laughs) um, And my homie, he woke up at like 530 And he went downstairs and he's like, hey, dead name, (laughs) you know, hey, Autumn, Um, I I was up a little bit early, so I made the coffee today and I it was already on the burner. I'm like, you know, oh, my God, thanks, dude. I'm so I'm half asleep. Pour myself a cup of coffee. I get it to my lips. I'm like, take a sniff. You filled the coffee pot with soy sauce, didn't you, motherfucker? He filled the coffee pot with soy sauce and then put it on the burner to fuck with me. And I've never forgiven him. (laughs) And I never will. (laughs) That's my story. I'm just really glad he didn't... I'm really glad that he didn't, like, run the soy sauce through the machine. You know? Yeah. Because I thought for a minute that that's what he'd done, is that he'd, like... At the part where you, like, fill it up with water, he'd filled it up with soy sauce. And I was going to be pretty pissed about that. <laughs> yeah, that, that real fuck up a machine. Yeah, you would never stop tasting the soy sauce. Um, anyway, I'm going to I'm gonna tweet this uh, picture of Kermit drinking the, the beef broth mm-hmm. uh, at Josh, and then we can end this podcast. Okay, sounds so, good. So where can people find you?